I love to worship in this house. Love to worship in this house. As far as I'm concerned, we could have, we could have stayed on worshiping the rest of the day rather than listen, listen to the talking head for the next 20 minutes. So <clears throat> I do want to begin this morning by sharing a story, but you can find where we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. I want to tell you a story that took place, it's hard to believe now, 18 years ago. And I did the math on that because our youngest, we have three daughters, our youngest was 11 years old when this, when this occurred. It was about the same time of the year right now, and Nancy and I and Laurel, our youngest, were traveling north on Interstate 95 in Fort Lauderdale. I don't encourage you to drive Interstate 95 ever if you don't have to, but I would imagine several of you students here have to take that journey, and to make it really nasty, you got to go through D.C. It's a very, very challenging um, drive, very, uh, very dangerous in many reports. Stacy used to call it Death Valley. From uh, and those of you who know Stacy, remember he would drive down to Florida every year, and he loved to drive. But but when he got to northern uh, North Carolina. And I'm trying to think of the name of the town, but it'll come to me. But anyway, from there on, he called it Death Valley. And he has reason to, because I really believe it's the most treacherous highway, more accidents on that road than any other in the country. So we're driving north to go to a basketball game that our middle daughter, Jessica, was playing in. She went to Houghton, and she played basketball. And uh, she had a tournament during the holiday season. And so we're driving northbound. We're on the far left lane up against the concrete divider that separates north and southbound. And uh, there's a young man <clears throat> trying to get around us, and he's in a uh, candy apple red Honda Civic. Now, those are big deals in that day. 18 years ago, if you do the Google on Fast and Furious, which I did last night, found out that they were I knew there was close to 10 Fast and Furiouses, but in that day, that would have been 2014. Again, I did the math. In 2014, there were already maybe three or four by then, and it was a big deal among young people, particularly uh, young people who like to drive. So he was fitting in with his candy apple red um, vehicle. We could feel his woofers behind the minivan that we were in probably a mile back, but as, but as he got close to us, we could hear him. Our van was vibrating, okay? Our van was vibrating. So he was behind me, and then he came around alongside of me, and Nancy could see we were a little higher than him, and Nancy could see almost face-to-face -face the young man, and she said, honey, please let him get around us because I think he's loaded. I think he's high on something, and I said, honey, I... I will first chance I get, but, you know, I had no space in front of me, no space. We had a tractor trailer now behind me. Um, we're moving along like trout in a stream at about 75, literally miles an hour during rush hour. I was surprised we were moving along so well. That said, I'm looking at him, and he drops back behind us, and I'm looking at him now in my both rearview mirrors, and he's starting to drift back one one car length, two, three, four, and I'm thinking, if you know what I'm thinking, why isn't anyone filling in that space? 
because that's how it works in that kind of driving. And no one's filling in that space, and all of a sudden, his car careens into that concrete divider. It goes literally almost up the wall, and then it turns completely upside down. I'm watching all this in my rearview mirror, and then the tractor trailer can't slow down. Hits it, smashes it. It's a plastic car, by the way. Little fiberglass, and it goes up in a thousand or more pieces. And yeah, you can only imagine that his body was with it. And I'm feeling the pain, the unnecessary pain of death in the same way I did when I was eight years old. For the first time, I witnessed death in a similar situation. We grew up in New Orleans, and we're on the Chefman Tour Highway, and it's a Saturday afternoon. We're going somewhere, because I remember why is the traffic stopped in the middle of the lane, or, you know, it was a three-lane highway, and as we get up to where the congestion is, there's a, there's a black man underneath a sheet. You know, the only reason I knew he was black, his leg was sticking out from under the sheet in a pool of blood. It was very obvious that was death. I'd never seen death. We never talked about death. Hadn't even experienced death in my family yet till I was 11. And I had this sickening feeling, sickening feeling. I thought I, thought I was going to vomit. That same feeling came back. I haven't had that feeling since then because I've seen a lot of death. You're not going to be a pastor and not experience death if you're working with people. You're going to be with people at times when they pass into eternity and hopefully into our Father's hands. But that day, I was feeling the pain of it. And then the Lord reminded me, my 11-year-old daughter is sitting behind me and she's watching it just face on turned around watching what's going on and I realized she has just witnessed death for the very first time and now I'm already beginning in my spirit to sob now I'm crying literally crying and I got to drive and I got I'm looking through tears and I said father father what can I tell Laurel what can I help her with to comprehend what she just witnessed And the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me more clearly than I've ever heard. Ever. And he speaks to me. He speaks to you too. Because his promises, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And following Jesus on that day, we experienced and witnessed a death. And the Lord said, you tell her what she just witnessed can be summarized in three things. And I, all of a sudden, I was ready to pull over and, and sit down in the class while Almighty God wrote on the blackboard. And my heart was, his pen was the ready writer, and I'm an I'm the student. And this is what he said. Tell her his life was the result of making choices. He paused 
while it's sinking into my spirit. And then he said, sowing seed. And then he said, choosing friends. When I was at Elam and they asked me to share in discovery days from that day forward, I never failed an opportunity to share that story with potentially incoming students. I would say to them, the decision you're about to make where you're going to go to school can be as important as the spouse you choose for life. And as the Lord shared that with me, I I began to break it down to my daughter. I said, honey, I, I just asked the Lord to help me try to share with you what we just witnessed. I said, that young man made some choices some choices. I said, if nothing else, if you're going to drive like that, don't do it in a Civic. Amen. Get a tank. Get a Hummer if you're going to drive like that. But he was apparently potentially affected by what was trending. Trending. Which has gripped many in the kingdom even to be able to display that I'm, I'm in what is trending. A red candy apple Civic with woofers. My guess is he took the back seat out to put those woofers in there because that's what you got to do. You're going to have woofers that big. He made a choice to drive under the influence. And maybe he wasn't under the influence, but he made a choice to drive the way he was driving. And somehow he lost control. I wept for his family. I still weep for his family. The seed that not only he sowed, but what was sown into his life to influence him, to make the decisions that he did. And that had a lot to do with the friends that he chose. There's some of you in the house today that you've made what I call the great escape. Coming to Elam for me was a great escape. I got out of a culture that was, I can't blame the culture, but it was killing me because of the choices that I was making in that culture. I work with people in recovery, and I tell them, listen, if at all possible, you got to get out of the culture that you're in because you're trying to overcome an addiction that is threaded into the culture you're in. And when you go back and see your friends, They're not trying to escape like you. They're trying to keep you here. The Lord says to you today, if that's you, get out and don't look back. Don't look back. If the Lord ever allows you to go back, you'll go with a companion maybe. You go with somebody to whom you can be accountable. I never went back to New Orleans until Nancy and I had been married 25 years. We went back and we stood on the levees where I used to hang out. It happened to be the same year Katrina hit New Orleans. We were there in May, and Katrina hit in late August. When Katrina hit, I realized we stood on the levees 
that opened up, that slid right off their moorings into the city and all of Lake Pontchartrain and the Gulf of Mexico, literally, that came crashing through right our backyard. We lived on the east side of New Orleans and the Gulf of Mexico cut right through there, right through Lake Pontchartrain, pushed the levees right off into a city built in a bowl that lives like there is no God. And I said to Nancy, I said, honey, it's, I would never have thought this, but honey, nothing changed on those levees in all the years I was away. I left New Orleans in 1973. And now after 25 years of marriage in 2005, I'm standing on those levees just to share with her where we used to hang out get in trouble. And the mayor condemned FEMA for not helping them when they had received probably close to billions to repair the levees and nothing had been done. It was a city I had to escape from. I had to get out. You may be in a place where you can't get there from here. You know what I mean? And so the Lord puts you here. And why did he put you here? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir, but sometimes there's a choir member or two that's just along for the ride. I want you to know if you're in this house today, you are not just along for the ride. Talk about sowing seed. You are a seed, and God has planted you in this soil right here. I was going to bring my acorn this morning just to remind you what that acorn was going to become. Now, I used to say that acorn was going to become one of these hundred-year-old, hundred, think about it, year-old trees. But the truth of it is, it's going to be more than just a hundred-year-old tree. Because from that seed is not only going to be a hundred-year-old tree, but it's going to have hundreds and thousands of acorns. And then those acorns are going to drop. See? That's how the kingdom works. And you have no idea how much seed you are sowing as you walk with him and Jesus is your only, only thing. Only thing. He's my only one. So, four things. You're a note taker, write them down. You got a smartphone, let it be smart this morning. (laughs) Type it in there. Why am I here? I'm here to encounter God. I'm here to encounter God. I can't come into, it's not this building, but I can't come into this place without knowing God encounters people here. And yeah, Nancy said it right. The, The papers, the reading, keeping up, it can become laborious. I get that. Done that been there. We've been there. But the primary reason you're here is to encounter God. Philippians, let's go. Let's look at this real quick. But Paul says, and let's not forget, this is a prison epistle. I love it. 
because what he has to share while in prison is just amazing. Again, let's not forget, it's a prison epistle. And so he says, you know, I have uh, suffered the loss of all things. But it's good. He says it's good. Verse 7. And what things were gain to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things, all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now we're not talking about head knowledge, because head knowledge puffs up, but charity builds up. We're talking about the Greek word gnosko. Since we're in a Bible college, we might as well talk about the Greek, who, by the way, owns the restaurant here in Lima. You know, Jimmy. He's a Greek boy. It means to know, to feel, That's right, to feel, to be aware of, to perceive, to understand, to be sure of, to be resolved. I'm resolved on the fact that you're here to encounter God. Amen. To set aside anything that's of any value that you think is of any value and cash it in for the excellency of knowing Jesus. You sang about it this morning. You already preached this message. Again, I'm talking to the choir. You as a choir sang it this morning. So good. The excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count it but rubbish, garbage, basula, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith. I'm reading in the New King James, and I don't like its use of prepositions, Sister Sylvia, because prepositions are important. See, I'm not clinging to the righteousness of God in Christ that comes through faith in him. But I'm clinging to the righteousness of God in Christ that comes from the faith of him. Because I ain't got no faith without him. Because faith is the resource. It is the resource of the kingdom of God. And I can't produce it myself. But now the righteousness of God, Romans 3, the righteousness of God that was declared by the prophets amen, has been revealed to us even the righteousness which is of the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, why am I strung out on prepositions? Because I had a great fifth grade teacher, Miss James. She was amazing. Fifth grade, best class of my life. Oh, well, I better be careful. I'm at Elam, so I don't want to. I had some great classes here as well. Sister Sylvia's was very special. (laughs) Amen. President Fred was not teaching yet at that time. 
but I'm sure whatever he's teaching is awesome and all the rest. By the way, Brother Dick, I forgot how tall Brother Dick was. Until I looked at him, I thought I was going to be eye to eye, but he's got like two eyeballs ahead of me, above me. He's not shrinking. I am. What's up, Brother Dick? But I do like him in glasses. That's pretty cool. Okay, enough of that. About above a cross, after, against, among, around, before, beside, between, by, down, during, except, for, from, in, into, near, of, off, on, and over, through, through, toward, under, up, with. That's all the prepositions. Because she taught us how to remember them in the same way you should be working on the word. Amen. Find a, find a rhythm, find a tune. You make it up yourself, but get the word in you because there ain't nothing better than knowing the excellence, see of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. But I'm not through here because he goes on. Remember, he's sitting in prison right this, right? He's not getting three hots or a cot. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I, here's the cry, may know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed and in the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. I've got a race now because not that I have already attained, amen, nor have already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good, that's right, the bad and the ugly, forgetting those things which are behind. Hallelujah. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm here to encounter God. Secondly, I'm here to experience transformation. That's right. He wants to change us. Romans 8, 28, but don't stop there in 29. We usually quote, all things work together for good to them that love God. To those who were called according to his purpose, when we get a flat tire, we say, oh, well, all things work together for good. But what does verse 29 say? For whom he did foreknow, that's you, he did also predestinate. Don't get strung out on that word because we had a predestination. We left the house. About a half mile away from here, we had a predestination. It was this chapel. It's a predetermined destination. What's your predetermined destination? Here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's transformation. Because if I'm going to get that, get there from here, amen, from where I am now, and trust me, I'm not what I used to be, thank God, but I'm not what I'm going to be. Amen. Amen. He's still transforming me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And be not, say it with me, conformed to this world. Amen? Not just what's trending, but be what? Transformed. By the renewing of your 
Point to it with me. Your mind. Oh, Jesus, yes. Change the way we think, Lord. And he does that through this amazing thing right here, the Word of God. You're here for encountering him. You're here for experiencing transformation. You're here to be exercised, that's right, in training. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Study. New King James says, be diligent. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does that mean, to not be ashamed? Well, you're going to want to share your faith. You're going to want to share the truth, not the twisted truth. I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of churches since we left Elam. And I often experience, sadly, twisted truth. Twisted truth. You know why? Because it's tempered by the seed of what's trending. What's trending? The atmosphere, the decor, the color, the music, everything. You know, at least two, maybe three of the songs we sang this morning, I was so grateful. They're ancient. They were powerful. They were powerful. If you're a worship leader, don't think you have to lead everything that Hillsong, Elevation, um, Jesus Culture, etc., etc., is coming off the press with. Number one, you need to hear from God. And number two, if you're a worship leader, lead in worship. Worship. Be diligent. Do you know that Uncle Carlton, Nancy's uncle, which, by the way, you may not know, she's one of the many grand children of I.Q. Spencer. That's not why we were at Elam. That was just a, you know, a, uh, just part of the facts. It definitely had an influence. When I met her at 13, and I got to do this really quick, because I'd hang out with her father, and I thought she was older. Let me say that again. I thought she was older. I was 18, and I'm sitting behind a washing machine helping Brother George, my pastor, and hanging out with him. And I thought, okay, this is a great place to ask how long or yeah, at what age his daughters began to date. I didn't know that dating wasn't cool, you know, that, you know. So anyway, so well, Ju- Judy was 16. And then he got really quiet, got real quiet for about 10 minutes. And then finally I said, all right, and I'm behind the washing machine, thank God. I said, can you, can you hand me those channel locks there? I need those channel locks. Uh, by the way, how old is Nancy? Oh, she's 13. I wonder what my face looked like. <laughs> but he couldn't see my face, thank God, you know. And uh, so I just got really quiet. But he said, but, but if you want to come and hang out, you know, with the family, you know, until she's 16, it's fine with us. So talk about doing the math. I'm doing the math. I'm going, 14, 15, 16. Said, That's a whole lot of visits. I said, so we'll wait. And we did. We put that on ice. We walked in another direction. And the Lord, six years later, brought us back together. So I'm just sharing that with you because some of you that relates to. Let the Lord do it. Finally, you're here that when you walk out that door, you're going to execute 
what's going on in this room. We're here to encounter God. We're here to experience transformation. We're here, that's right, to work out and not just in the weight room. You can thank Herbie Matthews for setting up the weight room. Herbie did a nice job. Physical exercise profits little, but godliness is of much gain and value. And when you walk out of the door and you encounter anyone and the Lord says, speak, he'll either say speak or do what St. Francis says, by all means preach the gospel if necessary, what? Use words. So you're going to model it. You're going to execute. Real quick in closing, how many hoopers do we have in the house? How's, how's the pickup games going on? Yeah. So, you know, every year I look forward to some new hoopers coming in and see what they had, you know. So I don't know why I'm sharing this story real quick, but real, I'm just thinking about it. You know, the, uh, I just totally lost my thought, but I just want to know how many hoopers are not enough here. We've got to pray some more in. Oh, I remember. So I coached basketball for a number of years. All three of our girls are ballers. And this is what I tell the team. What you get in practice, get on the court and do what? Execute. Execute. You know, you can have some great practices. You can go and shoot around. You know, you can do everything possible. But when the game begins, amen, the game of life, execute. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that you really take it seriously that God sent you here to encounter him. It's a haven where he has encountered many, many of his children through the years. Since 1924, students have been coming to Elam to encounter God. There have been students that have come that got saved here. That's right. They didn't know the Lord yet. They might have been growing up in it, and mom and dad thought it was a good place for them to come. And if that's why you're here, that's cool. But shake that off, because it's not just because mom wanted you here, dad wanted you here. It's because your heavenly father wants you here. Hallelujah. Amen, because he knows you've got some serious choices to make. And every choice we make has consequences, good, bad, or ugly. Make good choices. Make good choices. And now start storing up on seed. Because you've got some seed to sow. Amen. And you're going to sow. Hallelujah. And you're going to reap. And you're already reaping where others have sown. Others have gone before you and labored. And we've entered into their labors. Thank you, Lord. But make some good friends while you're here. Make some lifelong friends. Make some friends who will encourage you and you them through the years to come. Be careful on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Let me say it again. Be careful. A lot of seed comes out of there. If you got TikTok on your phone, delete it. That's right, delete it. Get it off. Get it off. I thought it was an innocent thing until I started seeing some things I shouldn't see, so I said, you got to get it off. And if you got to sh- get back out of those, back out while you're here. Please hear me. Making choices 
sowing seed and choosing friends. Father, I pray for this body of your children that you've gathered in this house at this time, that you brought to your table. You've promised that they would hear your voice. Many have heard to be here, and many are opening their ears and their understanding. Lord, encounter them while they're here. Let them experience change, transformation. Restore their minds, Lord, in Jesus' name. Liberate them, free them from any, any chains, any, any bondages. Loose them. Loose them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, give them the diligence to become good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And finally, to execute. To execute as they walk out these doors. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.